Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, I'm Sarah. When people asked me and my husband Matthew about our birth plans, our answer was simple. We're doing it at home. So this is a podcast all about our home birth journey. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today is a personal birth story interview. So what that means is we have been speaking with women recently who have had their own home birth experiences and we're also talking to thought leaders in the realm of home birth. So get excited because these are going to be a really cool series of interviews that we'll be doing indefinitely just talking to people about home birth in general. In today's episode, we talk with a woman named Jenny DiPietro. Jenny is a mom of four, so she's a superhero already, but she also has the experience of home birth and hospital birth, and we go into that in our interview and talk about that and share the different perspectives on um, how each of those experiences were very unique, and that's really cool because she has a perspective on you know both sides. She's also a placenta encapsulation specialist, which is super cool. And if you don't know anything about that, we'll talk about that a little bit in the episode so you can kind of get some information around that. And she also lives in Canada, which for those of you listening, Matthew and I live in the States. So it was interesting to talk to her and get the perspective of how things around home birth, um, you know, regulation or things that need to be steps that need to be taken are different there than they are in the States. And so it brings the perspective that home birth is different internationally. So that's really cool. And, you know, the heart of Jenny's, um, feelings around home birth and birth in general is really education. And so we talk a lot about that, how it's so important to educate yourself. So I won't go into it any further. I will let you listen to what Jenny has to say and how awesome our interview was. So let's just dive right into that. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, Jenny, welcome to Doing It at Home, the home birth podcast. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you, Sarah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you are hanging out right now with myself and my husband, Matthew. Jenny, we're so excited to have you with us. We feel very blessed that you'd come on the show and talk to us a little bit about your home birth experience. So thank you. Thank, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes. So I want to kick it off with really just a, a little bit of background on you. Um, I understand you're a mom of four with kind of a combination of home and hospital birth experience, which is awesome because you have this this huge breadth of like kind of the, the different ends of the spectrum. So I just want to hear a, a little bit about um, like the order of your births and, and how those have, have um, tied into the perspective you bring to home birth. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So my first home birth was in 2006. Um, I'd always known about home birth. Um, my husband was not so on board with home birth, but um, <laughs> to say the least, um, he's sort of the modern type of guy and I'm sort of the, the more free spirit of us. Um, so trying to make him comfortable um, in home birth was where our biggest challenge was. But after a bit of research, we were able to do it. So Rocco was born at home in March of 2006 with midwives. Um, and two and a half years later, we had Sebastian right on Christmas Day, which is was really fun. Um, yeah, December 25th. And uh, few, two years later, a little bit under two years later, we had Rosalie. Now, Rosalie, uh, my six-year-old, she was a bit of a monkey. She, um, she was the one that we ended up transferring to the hospital for precautionary reasons. Um, so what we did was we had her in the hospital. I labored in the hospital for about 40 minutes. I ended up giving birth to her beautifully. Now, no complications. Um, and we were back home within three hours. So that was sort of my my little hospital experience, which was wonderful. The midwives were there. The nurses were fantastic. Um, the bed was really nice to give birth in because it was really firm. <laughs> um, it was wonderful. And then my last one, Adelaide, born in 2012, we finally got to have our water birth. So labored in the pool and actually gave birth to her in the pool, which was a fantastic, just an absolutely fantastic experience. Yeah, so that's, that's how that came about. Wow, that's, that's fabulous. I love that. So you have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge in, mm -hmm. like I said, both, both ends of the spectrum. And you seem like overall to have a really empowered uh, relationship to your birthing experiences. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. Anytime that you are able to take control of the situation that's around you, um, it is definitely an empowering experience. Even when we were transferred to the hospital with Rosalie, I was still in 100% control because my husband knew where I was at. My midwife knew where I was at. And I was still able to, yeah, to keep control of the situation. So I feel empowered by that birth as well. I love that. And, you know, with transfers, you kind of have this, this maybe preconceived notion that if it, it is a transfer, that means it was a, you know, 911 super urgent mm -hmm. emergency type situation, you know, and people are freaking out, you know, that's what going, going into home birth, you know, a lot of my mm -hmm. friends and family had the expectation of that if it, there was going to be a transfer that meant something went really wrong and it's really scary but I mm -hmm. don't get any of that from you 
No, you know what? It's really, really important that when you are going to have a home birth that you and your partner or your support person understand that you're not trying to be a hero. This is home birth is where you feel the most comfortable. You just want to have your baby at home for a, a plethora of reasons. But for my husband and I, we both said at the very beginning that if anything were to go a little bit sideways, we would go to the hospital because this was about being safe. It wasn't about showing the world that we could do it. It wasn't about trying to be a hero. It was about the safest and the best possible outcome for both baby and I. Um, so like I said, having that in your plan, having that at the forefront of your mind and understanding that if there is a problem, you do need to go to the hospital, then, you know, again, you would be on top of that and, and understand that it's not a failure. It's not an emergency. It's just something to stay safe. Right. And you still have options at this point, right? If you wait until let's say, you know, it, it comes a dire need and you do need you know, in ambulance care, then things can get tricky and, you know, hands are being tied at that point. But, you know, if you're just cool about it, then everything should go smoothly, right? Absolutely. Wow. I love mm-hmm. that you shared that, that you guys, you know, had that sort of context in mind because, you know, when, when we were doing our own research and, and just getting more comfortable and acquainted with home birth, a lot of the commentary that, that I was seeing against home birth was how selfish it was. And hmm. what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, home birth was your preference. You know, it was where you felt more, more, most comfortable. But ultimately, your goal was to, to give birth to a, a beautifully healthy baby. So that, that came first. And it wasn't about proving anything to anyone. It wasn't about, you know, showing off your strength or your ability to, to, to do something against the norm. And I'm happy you said that because, again, I think that from what I saw, you know, the, 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 the selfish aspect, that's what a lot of people were, were sort of focused on when, you know, giving birth at home is, is incredibly selfish because it's all about the mom. Um, but you're, mm-hmm. well, what you're saying is that that wasn't the case at all. Mm-mm. No, definitely not. And I know that you guys are in the States and I'm in Ontario and I, I'm not exactly sure of the differences, but in Ontario, you can't just have a home birth. There's a lot of things you need to go through. There's a kit that needs to be put together. Um, there's midwife visits that need to happen. There's medicine that needs to be put into your fridge by 36 weeks. Um, to stay cold and to stay there. There's a plan that needs to be happy. You have to call the ambulance to make sure that your address is in their, um, is in their record. So if you should wow. need an ambulance transfer, they already have that. You can't be any more than 30 minutes away or 35 minutes away from a hospital. So there's lots of different um, preparations that need to be put in place before you're just able to have a baby at home. It's not just like a, a fly-by-night kind of decision here. Wow, that is that is mm-hmm. different. And, you know, here we are exploring home birth and this conversation around it. And I didn't until just recently, you know, it kind of dawned on me, wow, well, home birth here is not going to be the same as home birth in other countries, even yeah. in other states, mm-hmm. you know, within within the U.S. Uh, so it's fascinating to hear some of the measures and things that are put in place sometimes to really support the experience or sometimes mm-hmm. not so much. Like there's a lot of um, hoops you got to jump through to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know we, yeah. we jumped ahead a little bit, you know, talking about all the experience around, you know, transfer and the home births themselves, mm-hmm. but I want to take a step back and, and hear what made you feel drawn to home birth to begin with. You know, I know you said you were on board and your husband, not so much at the beginning. So what mm-hmm. ultimately created the attraction to it and the ultimate decision? Wow. Um, you know what? I, I, that's a good question. Um, 
I was raised by, let's just say, fairly liberal parents. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess hippies is the, the, the correct term. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah, big time. <laughs> hippies. Um, where, you know, the normal, you know, society was never really huge in our family. So um, I guess to pinpoint maybe a pivotal moment in my life, my grandmother was dying back when I was quite young. I think I was nine. Um, we were at the hospital a lot, my brother, my mom and I, and my brother and I were allowed to go up to the nursery. And so we'd always look at the babies and they were really nice. The, the nurses were always nice and, you know, welcoming. And that was nice. And then my mom actually pulled my grandmother out of the hospital and brought her home so that she could rest comfortably and pass at, at our home. Mm-hmm. And I guess that just showed me that birth and death, it, it just doesn't belong in a hospital. It's just, it's, it's such a personal and, and important time in people's lives. And I just, I don't see it as a medical emergency. I never did. And, and I'm thankful that there's hospitals and I'm thankful that there's OBs, but I think that, let's leave that for emergency situations and let's just kind of let our bodies do what they're supposed to do. And I, I just felt that from a very young age. I just, I didn't know about home birth at nine years old, but I just knew that a hospital wasn't where I wanted to be. It's just, it wasn't, it didn't feel right. So home birth came about when I was, I don't know, I guess as a teenager, I learned about it. And that was exactly what it was for me. That's where it was. That's where I wanted to be. That's, I knew that that felt right. So I guess that's where it started. Yeah. So I'm, I'm quite curious um, to hear a little bit about what your husband's initial thoughts were on home <laughs> because you know, I know how I felt about mm-hmm. it when we started talking and uh, mm-hmm. you know, how I came around. But what, what was your husband's and how did that, those conversations start? Yeah, so um, I pretty much told him that we'd be having a home birth, and he said, <laughs> I don't think so. And I said, well, I'm sorry, babe. Um, let's see what we can do to make you more comfortable. So his worries were that it wasn't safe, that there was no medical, you know, there wasn't enough medical intervention around. Um, and that that was mostly his problem. I mean, he was he knew that you have a baby in a hospital with OBs and nurses and Mm -hmm. people taking care of you. So I think that's kind of the traditional idea of what birth centers around, of course. Um, So it's not until we spoke to the midwives and we're able to, um, we talked to my husband's name is Paul, talked to Paul about some of the things that we have to put in place. Like I talked about before with the ambulance and the 35 minutes away from the hospital um, that he felt more comfortable. So again, just the research aspect of it made him feel more comfortable about it. It's funny I, when you said that, and you said, you know, after you spoke to the midwives, he, he started to feel mm-hmm. more comfortable. Sarah pointed at me because that was basically <laughs> what happened with us. Yep. You know, like yeah. we did the research and all of this, and I was a bit skeptical. I, I had the fears, same as, as, uh, as Paul did. But when we spoke mm-hmm. with our midwives, um, it, things just sort of started to, to dissolve and shift for me. So, um, yeah, I was just curious about that because, you know, that's what I hear a lot of with when I'm doing my, my research and reading, it's that the, the, the moms sort of are typically the first ones to, to go, to go for home, go for home birth. And then the, the, the task comes of convincing their partners that home birth, home birth is a powerful route. So that's pretty cool how you guys did it. Yeah, it's, it's the same everywhere. And you know what? I really want to hone in on the fact that whether you're doing a home birth, there's still that. 
different hospitals have different policies. So, you know, if you decide to get an epidural at the hospital, then this has to happen, then this has, and all these, just like a, all these things have to happen. It's the same thing with home birth. You have to educate yourself on what the policies are, what the procedures are. And, and it, it's the same anywhere. So just educate yourself as much as you possibly can about anything that you're doing with your, with your birth. I mean, this, Planning for your birth and planning for your postpartum is so, so important to, to have the most success. Absolutely. Yes, I totally agree. And I think sometimes women are taken out of the equation of this thing mm-hmm. that is so intimate and happens with their body and their family. And it's almost like we're not trusted to do what our bodies are meant to do. And so mm-hmm. so much is set up to have us feel like we don't have a big role in it or we don't have the the duty to plan and educate like you're saying. So when you mm-hmm. don't feel informed, you're a lot more vulnerable. And that's when I think, okay. you know, intervention one gets entered and then it's just intervention after intervention after intervention. And yeah. before you know it, you don't even feel like it's your experience anymore. That's right. That's right. So it really starts at the beginning with you researching what type of birth you want and what that's going to look like. And if an emergency should arise, what will that look like? And how can you stay in control? So yeah, education is definitely an empowerment tool when talking about birth and pregnancy and and all that stuff, for sure. That is awesome. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, what are some, some highlights from home birth for you? You know, they could be you know, part of any of the three that you had at home, or maybe there's mm-hmm. one thing that kind of tied them all together in a really special way. What were, what were just the main things? Um, well, Rock's birth, my first one was kind of a whirlwind. Um, I had, I had planned to have a whole bunch of my friends here. Um, and my brother was here. And so only one friend ended up showing up because he came a little bit early and my brother was here. Um, so that was nice because it was more intimate. Um, I don't know if I have any highlights because, like I said, it was sort of a whirlwind. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> um, now, number two, on the other hand, Sebastian, my Christmas baby, was full of highlights. There was a whole lot of people here. Oh, um, and because I pulled people away from their Christmas dinners and his birth was taking quite a bit longer than expected, husbands and children, because, you know, they wanted to have Christmas dinner with their family. So I think I had about 30 people in my living room as I was giving birth. Um, wow. Which, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I would recommend that to everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was quite the, quite the show. Um, but the best part of that birth was having him being born and then Rocco coming in. He got to actually cut the cord. And that was huge because I really felt that that made Rocco part of the experience. Um, and sort of take on the big brother role, even at two and a half years old. Um, Rosalie, uh, what was the highlight of hers? Like I said, I think giving birth in her in the, the hospital bed was really a luxury because it was so firm and it was I was able to push it up where I wanted it. Um, also, it was a little bit more private because, again, I've had more, I keep having more people come. Um, and I think maybe I was starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed. Um, people again, were starting to bring their kids. I, I don't know why that is. They just <laughs> felt that it was, I don't know. Um, so the hospital experience wasn't horrible at all. And well, Adelaide's birth, the water birth. Oh, that was just absolutely fantastic. I don't know if her birth was great because I'd had, you know, three previous births and I understood my body and I understood what to expect. So that fear aspect wasn't there. Um, but the water was warm and it was comforting and, um, 
the after effects of childbirth, um, like the swelling and everything just didn't even, didn't even happen. It was so warm because the warm water supports the perineum, which, which stops the swelling and just being able to have her and actually pull her out myself because of the, you know, the slowness of the water was a highlight. It was definitely my most favorite birth out of all of them. It was, it was a dream. It was perfect. I couldn't have asked for a better birth there. Wow. Mm-hmm. That yeah. Is, that's so awesome. And they're all so different. You know, just hearing yeah. it sounds like the energy around them was different, the environments, mm-hmm. the people present. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And do you talk about your births with your kids and, you know, that they were born at home? And um, what do they have to say about it? There's a sense of pride about it. yeah, there, there's definitely a sense of pride, especially when we talk about, um, you know, Rocco cutting Sebastian's cord or um, how Adelaide was born in water, or we still live in the same house that, um, that we gave birth in. So, you know, the kids now have the, sorry, Rocco and Sebastian now have the old master bedroom. So they're sleeping in the room that they were actually born in. So, I mean, there's all these kind of little cool things and they are, they're excited about it and they, there's a sense of pride about it too. Wow, that's and yeah. is there is there one thing that you can think of you're happy you had present with you at home birth or I mean it sounds like water was the winner for number four that's and to have <laughs> but um anything <laughs> yeah. else maybe that you you mean when looking back like oh I'm really glad I had that there or I had done this in preparation. Hmm. I don't know. There was so much. Um I guess again, with all four of them, it was different with Rocco. It was definitely the rocking chair. I just, Mm. with that, with that one, I just wanted to rock. And I did for probably, gosh, eight to 10 hours. I just sat in my rocking chair, just as the contractions starting to get, starting to build and build and build. So I labored all night long throughout the night. And the rocking chair was definitely a godsend. Um, With Sebastian, the whole thing was just very festive. It was so cool. I mean, having it on Christmas day was, was cool. So having the people here and having Christmas dinner afterwards was, was really a great way to celebrate and honor what we had just done. Um, with Rosalie, like I said, the hospital bed, <laughs> just get a firm bed, a really firm, firm bed and lots of pillows behind you. Just, yeah, the firmness, the, 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 the way to push, I guess is that that would be a fantastic bit of advice and Adelaide, definitely the water. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, I'm curious, what are some resources you used, if any, that helped Mm -hmm. you prepare for home birth? 
um, you know, us, for instance, we did like hypno babies and so meditation, mm-hmm. things like that. Was there anything yeah. you did classes, books, courses? Um, you know, what? we took a prenatal class, um, which talked about, you know, the normal breathing and stuff, but I found that that kind of went out the window when it's actually game time. But <laughs> what I found, yeah, that's whatever. Um, what I found was, and not that I did this on purpose, I mean, but I had taken yoga years before and you, they really focus on the breathing and sort of getting into your body and calming your mind. And I found that was absolutely um, the most important thing that happened during birth is just learning that um, those deep breathing techniques and those quieting your mind techniques and those meditation tools was invaluable. I, I will, I will, yeah, that's definitely the best thing that you can do. I tried hypno babies. Um, I, I don't think my husband would have been too on board with it. So I don't think it would have worked very much, but definitely that meditative breathing was, was hugely important. I was able to pull on that past experience when labor got pretty intense. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, I want to shift gears for a second and talk about what you do with Golden Heart Project. Um, could you talk mm-hmm. about that for a second and share what that is and what um, called you into that and what you're up to? For sure. Okay. So what my job is, is I'm a placenta encapsulation specialist. So I would take a woman's placenta after it's been born and I use a traditional Chinese medicine form of processing it where I clean it, I steam it, I dehydrate it, and I mill it into um, a powder and put it into pills for mom to take after she's had the baby. Um, Placenta is full of hormones and iron. So taking these pills gives mom a boost in hormones and a boost of iron with, with huge benefits. So anything from combating baby blues to feeling um, more energetic and the list goes on. Um, So that's what I do for a living. Um, That's what I do for women. So with, so that's called golden heart. Um, Golden heart is my business. Now the golden heart project is something that I've come up with. It's just because women tend to isolate when they start to feel the baby blues come on and it can lead into postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and postpartum psychosis. So it's just a little reminder to get out there. Do not isolate yourself. There are other women in your community who are having babies and have these. So just, just make these ties um, as soon as possible so that you're not feeling alone. And if you do start to feel sad, just recognize that and, and get out there and, and get help and um, yeah, just get help and, and don't isolate. That's, that's pretty much my biggest message is just don't isolate. If you start to feel upset or sad or you're, you know, and you don't know why, just start talking to somebody because what I'm finding is that women in my area is, you know, they go through the baby blues and they get very, very sad, but they don't recognize what's happening and it turns into depression, but then they don't seek out help and they have a horrible experience and they don't talk about it till three or four years later when we're all sitting around on a couch saying, Hey, I felt sad. And they're like, Oh, so did I. And it was horrible. And I couldn't nurse and I couldn't do this and that. So just my message is just get out there and, and don't isolate yourself. So that's kind of what the golden heart project is. That is amazing. I love all of that. Um, I had my placenta encapsulated. So I actually oh, took wonderful. one of my capsules before we hopped on this call. Oh, <laughs> that's the perky. Yeah. I did not get that much sleep last night. So I, yes. Um, yeah. The, I was, I was so into that idea. Um, of course, yeah. um, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, family and friends 
definitely raise their eyebrows to it. Those who aren't familiar yeah. with it or, you That's know, right. aren't into the practice, you know, my, my mom just kind of gave me this look like, what? And I said, you know, we're actually one of the only mammals who don't consume their placenta after birth, but you know, that's right. Um, but that, and then the, the postpartum experience, you know, we were, we were talking about this before we hopped on the call that I feel like so much emphasis is put on pregnancy and then of course birth. And then once birth happens, I think a lot of attention as it should shifts to baby, but then mom Mm -hmm. can kind of get shoved to the wayside, you know, whether it's people coming to visit I noticed, you know, when you're pregnant, people are all around you and ask how you're doing and want to touch your belly in this. But then once baby's there, it's kind of, they just beeline it to baby and uh, you're just kind of hanging out there. Um, Yeah. So I I love the emphasis on the the postpartum experience. And I love that you said owning it. You know, if you're feeling blue on some days, just acknowledge that because I think that creates the space for the healing to happen rather than Mm -hmm. suppressing it and you know, you and, and baby are so interconnected at that yeah. stage in the early onset that I feel like they experience whatever you're going through too. And so if, if that's not expressed, you know, I feel like they're going to process that in their own way too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing too, I just want to mention um, is that when you're going through postpartum blues or postpartum depression, you don't really know that this is what's happening to you. Mm. So this is, this is where it's important to educate yourself before understand what the placenta does in your body. Yes. It filters toxins and yes, it does all this stuff for baby, but it also acts as an endocrine organ, which is, I mean, there's a huge science lesson here, but this is why we get the hormone crash afterwards because your placenta is now, gone and the placenta was in charge of making all those hormones for you so once it's birthed your endocrine system has to start working again and it takes a long time for that to get back into tip-top shape and this is where the the hormones the hormone crash happens so educating yourself on why it is that you're feeling sad so it's easier to recognize again just really focusing on planning your postpartum and understanding what's going on in your body. Education is invaluable when it comes to women's bodies. Unfortunately, in our culture, we don't spend a lot of time educating um, our girls about this. So, you know, focus on educating yourself about what's happening in your body so that you can recognize or try to understand when the blues are going to happen and, and, and educate your partner too so that he or she can recognize what's going on as well, right? And sort of try to help you with that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it it takes Mm -hmm. a village, right? So, you know, I Mm -hmm. I truly believe in that and utilizing that support. Um, You know, sometimes we believe that it's all on us, you know, whether it's the birth itself, you know, someone feel Mm -hmm. they're alone in that process and then in the postpartum, but certainly not. We're we're all connected. And I think it it takes a number of people to bring a baby into the world and then to Mm -hmm. love and nurture baby and mom after. So absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's fabulous. I'm going to include links to, um, goldenheartbaby.com in the show notes. Um, if anyone Thank wants you. to check that out and look at that as a resource, because I think it's really great what you're doing and thank um, you very much. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have enjoyed this conversation so much. I feel like you are just this well of knowledge, um, as it relates to, from experiential standpoint, being a mom, mom of four, home birth, hospital birth, and then what you do about what you just said, educating and empowering women with 
their bodies and then the lives that they bring forth from those bodies. I just think it's, I think it's amazing. And I really just want to acknowledge you and thank you for what you're doing um, as a new mom. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Wisdom is definitely a good tool to use. Absolutely. Stories passed down and down and down is, is definitely an important part of raising a child. You're right. So thank you very much for this opportunity. This is fantastic. Yes. And I'm just wondering, um, as we kind of wrap up, you know, mm-hmm. you're just saying educating, what is some advice you would have in a, in a few sentences for women or families considering home birth? What would, what would you like to share with them based on where you come from and um, what, what advice do you have? Definitely educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. And what about, you know, can you expand on that just a little bit, like beyond just, you know, looking up things, maybe Googling or going to local midwives or doctors, like what else and would you have? going to happen to it after you give birth? Mm-hmm. Educate yourself on what it is, what your, what your birth is going to look like mm-hmm. and educate your partner about that too. It's not so much writing out a specific birth plan, but talking to your partner about what it is your birth is going to look like and what role he or she has to play in it. And then educate yourself on if step one or phase one doesn't work or plan A doesn't work, let's look at plan B so that if there is an emergency, you can still be on top of what's going on. You don't can never ever say, this is, I, I didn't want my birth to be like this. I, I feel ripped off because mm. that is another huge part to postpartum depression is women who don't feel that they had the birth that they wanted. So educate, educate, educate as much as you can. Ugh. That's my advice. That's awesome. You heard it. Great, great advice. Great advice. Um, Well, I'm going to close it off with you. Matthew actually had to step out for a second to take care of baby Maya. So she wasn't Mm -hmm. wilding out and you wouldn't hear her in the background. But um, um, I will speak for him saying again, thank you so much. So grateful to you. And um, any any last final words from you, Miss, Miss Jenny? Just thank you, Sarah and Matt. Thank you so much for allowing me to talk about this. It really is important, and it is my passion to talk about women um, and what they can do to empower themselves in a postpartum in a postpartum way. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and congratulations on the birth of baby Maya. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, that's um, that's Jenny DiPietro. I'm doing it at home. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you, Sarah. Bye now. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.